Meow, what is so damn funny? I could have swear you said meow. Do I look like a cat to you, boy? <laughs> Am I jumping around all nimbly bimbly from tree to tree? No, no. <laughs> Am I drinking milk from a saucer? <laughs> well, do you see me eating mice? <laughs> hey, you stop laughing right now. Yes, sir. Meow, I'm gonna have to give you a ticket on this. But. No buts, meow. That's the law. That's a funny meow, is it? Meow! Welcome back to another week of Muskies on Tap. I'm your host, Gus Manti, and we got a great one this week. We're finally going to be talking about muskies, talking about opening weekend here in a few days. I'd also like to thank all of the listeners that we've gotten over the past week. We've had a huge skyrocket in listeners. Uh, That's super cool to see. We got them coming from all over the country. Shout out to all the people out of state even listening in on on all these Wisconsin reports. I'd also like to thank Jeff Widman from last week for giving me the opportunity for getting on Backlash Podcast. So if you guys have not heard that yet, you can go back to last week's uh, Backlash Podcast. And with that being said, I will introduce the other co-host tonight for Muskies on Tap. And the first one is Max Manti. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing swell, Gus. Hope you're doing well, man. Excited to see you in a few days and get up north. Yeah, I'm pumped for that. That's coming up real soon. All right, our other co-host for the night is Brian Eckel. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. Just trying to battle through this work week and get to the weekend. I've uh, been itching to extend that rod and uh, start hucking some baits again, so can't come soon enough. You're excited to extend your rod, Brian? That's great. Love that introduction from you. <laughs> I know where that came out. I was like, ah, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, man. we're keeping that in for Should've sure. Should have thrown the telescoping part in there. Definitely keeping that in. <laughs> so, yes, I'll throw it back to you. What are you sipping on tonight? You always got a cold brew in your hand. I do. I do. On this lovely night, I am sipping on a fat tire. One of your favorites? What do you rate it out of 10? Oh, um... You know, this is probably one of my favorites for sure for winter. I know Max and I like to sip on these, but, you know, I still got a few in the fridge from the spring, and I'd give it a solid 7.5 out of 10. Might be worth a try. Might be worth a try. I've had them on tap, but never in a can, so I might have to try that when I get up there. Max, what about you? What do you got next to you? Uh, I'm drinking some $4 Trader Joe's wine tonight. (laughs) It's probably just weird. Yeah, it's just kind of cooking wine, honestly. I mean, I you know, I, not that you guys would know since you're younger than me, but I wonder at what age do you stop drinking, you know, the cheapest wine available at the store? Like, I'm 29 years old. I'm a functioning adult in society. And, like, when I go grab a, a bottle of wine, I'm just – my eyes are just always drawn to that, like, you know <laughs> – I'm clearance four ninety nine for a bottle of wine. <laughs> so, they all taste the same. Yeah, I um I agree, kind of, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm rocking with that. I'm rocking with some Trader Joe's wine night, so that'll help me get through here. And we got a lot to talk about, so I'm excited to get to it here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before we dive in, Brian, you got something you're sipping on? 
I do. I have a Packerland Pilsner uh, from Hinterland here down the road in Green Bay. Uh, kind of a poor man's Miller Lite. I'm sure they're not going to like to hear that, but uh, I don't know. I'd probably give it a six, six out of ten. Mm, not too bad. I'm wondering if I've had those before when I when I visited you. Yeah, I was probably trying to force you to have them. See, we we can get rid of them. Probably. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna think I'm gonna rate my Trader Joe's wine about a three point seven out of ten. That sounds about right. Gets the job done though. <laughs> All right, gents, shall we dive right in? Let's do it. Let's dive in. I heard you got some scouting this week up north. Oh yeah, big time scouting. I uh, did a little of that in between some smallmouth trips. So there's a good bit to talk about there and a little bit to talk about water temps and, and all that good stuff. What were some highlights from the smallmouth trip this week and what else did you see out on the water when you're out there? So the smallmouth trips pretty much all went really well. I think we tangled with at least a few each trip. I know you and I, Max, had a double. That was a lot of fun when you were up. Uh, just this past weekend, my buddy Parker and I had a double with, with one smallie and one walleye. Um, also on that same day, Parker, Jake, and I had a had a crazy power hour. I think I just posted that on Facebook and Instagram, but uh, maybe dive a little deeper into that. We, uh, we pretty much had a total bust of a morning and through the day on fishing um i know we we chatted with that but we decided to switch gears and go smallmouth fishing so after a late lunch i don't think we got out until pretty close to five o'clock i think and we went to a really really windy spot that you and i had really really good luck on max and uh, i tossed my jig out reel it back in tossed it out the second time Boom, 21-incher. Got the night started nice. immediately. And then nice. I think a good five minutes later, got another one at 20 and a half. And we were doing a competition with the other boat, uh, the other uh, friends of ours out that night, Drew and Sam. And and we felt pretty confident getting a 21 and a 20 and a half in the first you know five to 10 minutes of fishing that night, which turned out to be a, a really good hour. I believe we had... Pretty much all of our catches until like 6 p.m. and then it was shut down until sunset. And um, real, real same quick, deal, man. For any smallmouth oh, yeah. nuts listening, what what were you throwing for them? Uh we were so basically this whole smallmouth bite that we've been on has been swim jigs and crankbaits. And with the swim jigs, really nothing special, just dragging along the bottom and waiting for them to pick it up. And that's been getting the biggest bites and the biggest fish, and sometimes even the most fish. Then the crankbaits are great when they're super aggressive. And uh, we started doing that when we we're reeling in our, our slow jigs at a fast pace in like the last 40 feet of the retrieve. And then you'd see them followed in really aggressively. So we figured crankbaits were kind of a good change up. But this night we were all throwing swim jigs, got all three of us on the program in the boat that night and that just amounted to so many big bites i think we took our best five from the night and i think it was 19 and a half 19 and a half 19 and a half 20 and a half and a 21 incher and i'd, I'd say that's pretty solid for a nice little quick outing and that those all all those biggest fish just came from that one hour 
And then it right. just shut down. I mean, we were doing the same thing and ripping all the same types of spots and it just like shut down until sunset. I think there was something to do with that wind dying off with the bite dying off or something like that. It seemed to, it seems like that's been a repeatable pattern is super windy accounted for all the bites and then the wind dying off bite dies off. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, when I was up there last weekend, that was kind of the program we were on too. And shit, what did we catch that one day? 30, 32 smallies and pretty much yeah. a, maybe a, a, an extended half day type trip. I mean, they were, that was fun. I mean, I admitted on the last podcast that I love smallie fishing. I'm excited for that bite again next year, but we got musky fishing coming up. So enough mm-hmm. of that smallmouth shit. Let's talk about some muskies. You went out and scouted some lakes that we might fish on opener. Uh, so do you want to dive into that a little bit on kind of the types of lakes you were looking at and what you did when you're out there? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was just yesterday. And for those just tuning in, this will be coming out on Thursday, the 25th. We're recording currently on the 23rd. So yesterday on the 22nd, I was out, I had off of work. So I scouted the whole day and I went to four different lakes. Well, actually, the fourth lake is a lake that we've already fished uh, for muskies, but I've heard of good things in smallmouth fishing. Sorry to bring it up again, but had had to get the rod bent on the day of scouting and and caught a nice smallmouth there to end the day. But but those first three lakes were actually all three I've never dropped a boat onto, but they've been on my list and radar for quite a while. And another thing about all three of these lakes is that they were all completely different in size, watercolor, and depth. So first lake I dropped on into in the morning, uh, it's about one of those mid-range lakes. And when I say mid-range, I'm probably talking like 400 to 800-ish acres. This lake, is it's one of those lakes that I, I've heard that it can get a pretty good algae bloom. Um, for right now, it's pretty clear. That seemed to be pretty much on par with every single lake. I mean, even not too long ago, the chain was even clear. And I don't think that's going to be for very long because those jet skiers are already out and buzzing. Lovely. Yeah, great to hear. Great to hear the jet skiers from like <laughs> two lakes over when it's dead calm and you can just hear everything. It is a nice but summer. Anyways. I mean, it reminds you of summer, but once they get near your fishing spot, there's uh, there's nothing worse. Yeah, that's true. But it is, it's basically summer. This weather's been amazing. It's like, it was like 80 degrees today. So um, with that heat, uh, did you see some muskies spawning up in the shallows on these lakes or just in the clear lakes or what did that look like? You know, as I said, I think in an earlier podcast, I was on a clear lake on opening walleye weekend and I saw eight muskies in the shallows and just like, less like an like an hour's worth of going around the lake not even and i don't think i really did any scouting since until yesterday and i was up in the shallows pretty much the whole time because i with the lake being at its clearest for all three of these lakes i kind of wanted to like get a feel for what's going on with the the shallowest water which is always the water that's going to heat up the fastest the the water that's going to have the earliest weed growth and all that good stuff and I have zero confirmation on sightings between those three lakes or even the fourth one. And I believe that to be a good thing because like I said, all three of these lakes were different in size. 
with one of them being closer to a thousand acres, deep, clear Cisco based lake. And with spending that much time in the shallows and not seeing a single fish, hopefully tells me that they are done doing their thing. And I've been seeing a lot of other reports that even some of the very big lakes are getting are getting done with the spawn. So to me, that's good news because during that spawn, that can be that can be a tough bite. For sure. Well, that's good to hear. Um, so when you're when you're kind of scouting up shallow and uh, obviously not seeing any fish, then but you're still kind of looking at how the the structure lays out. And so, like, you know, I I know you've talked about this a lot. I've heard other people talk about this a lot. And it's kind of that catchy phrase of like the spot on the spot. Um, so when you're, you know, you're going into a bay and you're like looking at a, a very vast weed bed, um, are you actually trying to like look at kind of how that weed bed lays out if, if there's denser pockets, lighter pockets and actually marking those spots? Mm-hmm. So that way, like when the water does either bloom or dirties up a little bit with traffic and whatnot, you know that, you know, when you're going into that weed bed, okay, there's actually, you know, an area that rises up a little bit here. Uh, and it kind of brings that weed bed that, you know, on, on a typical like Navionics look or something like that might just look like five feet weeds uniform, but wouldn't realistically, you know, there might be like little alleyways or shoots or thicker pockets of weeds that, you know, might actually hold. That's kind of like where the fish would probably actually hold. So are you, are you marking mm-hmm. those spots out or how are you doing that? Yeah, big time. And I'm utilizing side image for sure. Definitely using waypoints a ton. And one of the most important things that I don't know if I've talked on this podcast, but I think I brought it up in the when I was featured in the Backlash podcast was using quick draw contours because I run Garmin's in my boat. So that's that's what they call it, where you do the self mapping of the lake where you turn it on your GPS and, and it and it just maps the lake, lake's depth contours for you. And even some of these lakes that have really good Navionics and and map chips and all that stuff, they're not really that accurate. And to me, finding that spot on spot really is dictated by sometimes a contour change. I mean, obviously a really big one is just like a thick weed bed versus sparse versus nothing or like a rock pile and then nothing or sand and then that one big boulder but with the contours you can see like max was saying in a big bay that might be five feet and flat the whole time with the contours if you go back and forth you might find a spot where it bumps up to i don't know as little as like 4.2 feet and usually in that you're going to see the thickest weed growth and with the thickest weed growth you're usually going to find a musk buried in that just sitting on that edge and that's where my and then that's where waypoints come in so when i was driving around a big bay which is pretty typical for us to fish in the early season is because it's close closer to the spawning grounds when the fish are up in the shallows and the muck and the new weed growth and the bulrush and all that stuff i'm looking for those dense pockets of weeds and then that's where the waypoints go in as soon as i see the thickest weeds as of yesterday, that's going to tell me that in a week, two weeks, three weeks from now, that's going to be the thickest choked out weeds. And then around it is going to be some typically a little more weed growth happening, like a little bit lower. And that's the new stuff three weeks from now. But right now, that new stuff is, is uh, that's just what we're looking for. And that's what I'm using the waypoints for. 
Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. So, uh, you know, would you consider like right now just kind of the best time to, to scout lakes if people are able to get up and get out there or take a break from, you know, if they're out there walleye fishing or smallie fishing? You know, it feels like right now is kind of the best time to do that scouting stuff. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think any time of the season in, in this May period where you can't fish for them yet, it definitely helps because I know if I, from scouting during mid-season, it's really tough to not just, you know, get the rod out and start hucking before you even check out a spot, which is which is why this right. is awesome and, and sometimes why we struggle on new lakes right away. It's gonna be, we just go full guns a-blazing and just start hammering spots with lures. Then all of a sudden, the Navionics is way out, out. And two seconds later, we're casting into nothing. And we're like, oh, what's going on? And and that's what this good you know recon work is, is going to help us. And another reason why it's the best right now, I feel like, is you right now in late May, we finally have that sunlight going on, all the heat. And those weeds are actually starting to come up. Because about two weeks ago, all we could find was pretty much dead weeds or no weeds. So with this like late May time going right up to opener, you can get your best gauge on weed beds for brand new lakes. And well, I'm not really saying anything about rock piles is because they don't really move. So those you can scout anytime, map those out. But the weeds are a little more important going into opener because that that thick, lush Green cabbage is super important. The really shallow tobacco cabbage can be very good, but but sometimes just that newest green cabbage might be the best. Yeah, and I mean, right now it's really nice. Like you're talking about some of these lakes bloom up later, but right now a lot of times the water is very clear, so you can actually just use your eyes, I'm guessing, and and just see those weeds um, visually, which I'm sure is nice too. Kind of gives you an advantage. So, you know, even if like we go there on opener and if it's, you know, windier or cloudier or whatever, you still remember, you know, seeing those different types of pockets or weed beds, you know, from scouting stuff. So that's good. Yeah, I'm I'm very glad you got a little bit of the scouting out of the way because I'm chopping at the bit to get some of that bait time and water going. Um start, you know, going guns a blazing as you just said. Um, but yeah, looking forward to that here in a few days, but, uh, let's get into some of that game plan that we've got, you know, roughly dialed up for Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Max, we got a little tournament going on. Do you have some of the rules maybe, or how's this going to look for us? Yeah. I mean, I think we're still hashing it out a little bit, uh, but I'm, I'm fired up for that. So we got myself, we got Gus, we got you. And we got our other buddy, Jack, who hopefully will make his debut on the pod uh, for follow-up, either to gloat in our face, Brian, or we can uh, just beat him down um, after we uh, take the cake this weekend. But I think what we're going to do is just, you know, since there'll be four of us in the boat, a little 2v2 comp, you know, we'll probably have a little, uh, maybe a little big fish pot as well, which we've done in the past. And it'll be Brian and I taking on Gus and Jack. So that'll be good, Brian. We'll get a few reps in before our tournament in late June, kind of figure out how that camaraderie works. Um, you know, maybe get maybe get a little of the fisticuffs out of the way early. So, uh, and all, you know, maybe get a little momentum and into June, you know, if we can get, a, we can get a dub over Gus. Yeah, I, think, good. I, I think most of our problems together on the boat is we're usually fighting over the front. And uh, come, come tournament time, it's only going to be us two on the boat. So I don't, I don't think we'll get in any scuffles about that. 
Well, that brings up a really good point, Brian, and I'm glad I'm glad you talked about boat positioning because something that I'm going to be extremely curious to see how this goes is with four guys in the boat, you know, our, our boat isn't able to hold four people casting head shore, right? One person is going to have to be throwing off the break, you know, at all times, uh, whether that's somebody from, whether it's Jack on Gus's team or whether it's you or I, because Gus is going to be running the show in that, you know, front or that back left pocket where the trolling motor is and everything. And so I'll be really curious to see if, if that spot produces a fish, uh, if it gets hot, you know, it could kind of help out with the bite, you know, covering more water. Um, I'm going to assume that you're not going to be too excited about fishing in that, that area. Uh, no, but... and I just, just heard from Jack. He just shot me a text, a little hand up emoji. And he said, he can't wait to throw off and do some nature casts off the break. So <laughs> yeah, it sounds like him for sure. That, that should free us up to bang some shoreline. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see if that spot is going to produce any fish. I mean, I, I remember last year on opener, we had the same crew and, and I was fishing off the back, back of the boat. Uh, you guys were all throwing towards a weed, uh, just a, the, the prime, first primary break, um, you know, on the weed edge. And I was throwing out the other way. I think there was some deep timber or something off the other side. And I actually, I didn't stick the fish, but I got crushed uh, out deep. Um, we didn't do it too much. I mean, I think we were kind of taking turns. But now that we're having a competition, you know, we're always going to be wanting to be casting. So somebody's going to have to hold down that that spot throwing off the primary break. And I'll be curious to see if that's going to end up sticking the biggest fish or any fish. Um, we'll, you know, we'll see. We, we might have to put in some, you know, some foundation before we get out there, some rules that, you know, one person from each team has to be casting off the break into the deeper water. And, uh, you know, it's an hour on hour off rotation. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> I, th I think we'll be able to do that all right. I mean, we got we got just myself, who's always going to be in the back corner, like Max said. And then Jack is my partner, who, from the sounds of it, you, you Max, and Brian are going to be scrounging out for that front spot. But I think I got to get my partner Jack up there, too. I might have to tell him to hit the gym this weekend or, or this week or something to beat you guys up over that spot, so... Yeah, he's, hopefully he's wearing a swimming suit, too, because uh, all three of us aren't fitting up there. <laughs> I mean, Jack's a big guy, but, you know, I've been putting <laughs> in some work this off season, so I'm not scared of him. He's washed up tight end from uh, – well, I guess he, when he went when he went to St. Thomas, they were still D3, but I think he wears the D1 tight end oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> proudly. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not bagging down for him. We'll be all right, Brian. We'll hold our own. Oh, yeah. We'll take care of them. No doubt. So I think that – so with the tournament, are you guys just thinking on the most fish or kind of maybe try and do like a point system or do you guys just want to do most inches or how are you guys thinking about the scoring of the fish? Uh, I think you definitely have to do total inches. Um and then maybe like Max was saying, a, a biggest fish pot um, on the side as well. But I don't know. We got to figure out. Maybe we discuss it later with Jack. But maybe we do, you know, any fish over whatever that mark would be. Like, you know, forty three inches is is a point and a half um, for every inch over forty three, or something along those lines, just to reward 
a bigger fish, but um, with the big fish pod too, we could just go straight inches and then leave that separate. Yeah, I think I agree with the big fish pod is just a total separate entity of biggest fish by length. And then with, with the individual fish, I mean, I don't know if you guys want to go down to 30 inches, 32 minimum, 34. I mean, maybe just, I say it's, just it's, so that we it get is spring. I say every single muskie. Every, I like that. I actually do like that. All right, well, then I'm doing a husky jerk all weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go get some night crawlers on my way up and just post up. (laughs) Someone throw a wacky rig out there. (laughs) Uh, But in all seriousness, can we get into some of your – I mean, I know we're all going to be throwing the kitchen sink. We still have a ton of new baits to try out. But um, what what baits are you guys planning on starting the day with on Saturday? Oh wait, don't we gotta pump the brakes on that one? I think we have I think we have a QA question with that. Yeah, we'll we'll just uh we'll mix in this QA question because Brian brought up the what's gonna be the first one tied on and, and that's that comes from Instagram user Grape Wake. Some of you probably don't know this Instagram user. Um I don't know if we want to give away his true identity yet. That might be for for later podcast but he asked he's, first just, he's, a, he's a famous box. instagram musky troll <laughs> a menace in the industry a disruptor <laughs> so grape wake ass and what you were kind of hinting at brian is first bait out of the box and i think he's probably talking about opening morning first lure on the line what are you guys throwing who wants to start um that's a tough one i uh i've been thinking about this for a while and thankfully i got an email notification today that my new bait looks like it will be getting here on friday hopefully um and that is none other than a custom six inch lemon head from matt ridgeway uh if you guys aren't familiar with his baits check him out i believe it's just ridgeway customs online or on instagram um, but he makes great baits. Gus, you have a nine inch one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I, I got a six inch one, a little downsizer for the spring and assuming that gets here on Friday, that's definitely getting clipped on probably Friday night and it'll be sitting there waiting for me on Saturday. If, uh, if Partsy is throwing a crank, I'll have to, I'll have to diversify a little bit. And I think I'm going to go with the Kodiak, uh, round nose glider. Uh, if we end up fishing the lake, oh. then I think we may fish. We've done well on just Kodiak baits there in general. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the program there and I'm going to throw the, the Kodiak round nose glider in the, uh, it's like a hot perch kind of orange belly perch color. Yeah. yeah so I'll like probably a, start with that then. Yeah. It's like a perfect perch, orange belly, chartreuse sides. It's got the, got the bars. All right, so Brian with a crankbait, Max with a glide. This almost sets up too perfect. And and I know the lake that you guys are thinking about for sunrise. And another lure that we've done really well with there is a dive and rise, usually a, a Navin. Max is talking about Kodiak series and a Suic as well. But I might have to switch it up this year and use one of the brand new baits, and that's the SRJ from Pandemonium oh, no. Tackle. What a I'm drag to use that. Man, it's almost cheating. Yeah, it that's might gonna be, be fun dude. to see. We're gonna hey, we're we're having a 
we're having like a podium type baits for the first, for the first for the first morning which is great everyone's throwing their a1s <laughs> these custom baits no one's throwing like the $12 maps that probably will outproduce the entire weekend no one's throwing the $15 slammer that also might I'll, crush i'll answer this question uh for for the guy who's going to be on our boat but is not currently on the podcast Jack, as always, will be clipping on a Joe Booker 500 series bucktail. That guy is a menace with the bucktail. Still trying to teach him how to be a little bit more finessey with some of those pull pause baits. So um, I don't know. I'm really hoping for the best for your partner, but it's not looking good. Oh man, I, I like to see that. I like to see that my partner is throwing a uh, a bucktail because that those things usually always produce on opener. Just those small little number five blade so you you guys better watch out yeah oh yeah but i see it I'm, I'm not too scared of uh of him ripping a bucktail he's probably gonna be ripping that on his 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 eight eight four gear ratio and just burning that thing in so uh i really wish him the best i really do i'm shaking in my boots over here can't you <laughs> tell you guys just seem like a little more talk tonight huh you guys are just chatting back and forth about how you guys are gonna be this ultimate duo and and all this stuff. You got your tournament coming up late June. Hey, I mean, if you're not no. if you're not confident, you don't think you're gonna win every time you step on that boat. You might as well not even fish. Facts, Brian. That's that's the mole I need from Partsy over there. <laughs> There's the mojo right there. Let's see if you guys can carry that out for ten hours straight. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty quiet podcast next week if. Uh, Max and I end up getting rolled in this tournament, but let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I know if you guys do win, it's just going to be the loudest podcast of me pretty much not saying a single word. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it from here. Yeah, if uh, if we if we end up winning, I'll probably just have you uh, maybe forward on your guide trips to Brian and I start taking people out ourselves. <laughs> hey, how about uh, on? the uh pmcc weekend you guys can just take my two guide clients out and i'll just i'll just rip the tournament solo <laughs> we'll see we'll see we gotta win we gotta win our tournament opener first before we can uh before we can get the rights to that yeah plus we're we're fishing for 30k for the june it's it's literally if you ain't, if we ain't first we're last in that tournament we might have to even turn down the second or third place money at yeah, that point yeah. with that first place money i think i think we're moving this pot out to la so big maybe we can actually maybe i will actually buy some microphones so we're not having to deal with airpods dying halfway through <laughs> all right so with all those great baits getting clipped on first let's let's kind of dive into some predictions maybe do we have an official line at the biggest fish of the weekend and maybe maybe who you guys think is gonna land that oh i don't even know if i've given this much thought but i don't know i i think we got some good lake choices this week this weekend for with some big fish potential still still sliding into the shallow so i'm gonna i think i quick looked at vegas this morning and i think they're calling for a 42 and a half over Ooh. under big fish I'm slamming that over. I think that, I mean, that's going to happen probably in the first hour on Saturday. I think we'll find one that big for sure. I got, I got high hopes for some of these lakes and for all the guys fishing. I think that's going to happen. I think, I think the over, we're going to hammer that over, but 
there might be like a gap there. We're just going to get a bunch of males. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, we're just going to get that big female. So I think it's going to happen. Do we, do we have an over under on the total number of fish throughout the three days? Last year, well, last year, what was it? What did we, did we have 10 on opener? Or am I thinking of the weekend? After? It was, no, it, it was, was nine and it was opener nine and two and a half days. I don't know. Anybody else got their, their Vegas in anybody <laughs> check it out. Cause I don't, I don't, I didn't see anything. We could just run back that same number. I mean, I think it's a little bit, it's a little bit lake dependent if we end up going to that one lake, which a lot of fish or not. But <laughs> I mean, last year we caught, you know, we caught one on the first day. It was a pretty bad day. And then that next day we really, we did really light, light them up. I think we caught seven muskies on that Sunday and then uh, we were able to get a nice fish on Monday. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think we might as well just keep expectations high. And if we totally flop, we flop. But, yeah, I'd say, you know, maybe eight and a half for the amount of fish boated in, the, you know, two and a half days. I like that, I that sounds eight good. and a half. Yeah, because I, I, I can promise you we are going to that lake. Um, maybe the last resort on Monday. But uh, the bite we got in there uh, last year it. was pretty crazy. It was almost every other cast there for about an hour so it'd be yeah. fun to hit that again that was awesome speaking of lakes um what what type of lakes are we looking at uh, outside of the few that we got in mind gus what are you what are you thinking as far as size size of lake type of lake uh, what are you what are you thinking and also, how many lakes do you think we plan? Should we set a line for how many lakes we're going to end up fishing? Because I think through our discussions over the last month, talking about opener, you know, way too, way too much. You know, I think we've probably tossed around like nine or ten, maybe even more different lakes to like, oh, yeah, we got to fish that. Yeah, it's probably been 15. Like, like oh, yeah, we got to hit that one on opener. Oh, yeah, we got to hit that one. And it's like, well. There's only so much time in the day and, you know, not, not trying to fish a lake for 25 minutes, but yeah, we, I guess long, big, big question, but what, what do you think about that? I think we're still going to hit a bunch of lakes. I'm, it's going to be hard for us to maybe do five in a day or something crazy like that. I mean, I could see it happening. We've for sure done three and, and after doing three in a day, that just feels like we hopped around too much. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think the the lakes we got on this on this list are all hit every every bullet point for opener weekend. I mean, some of them might be a little bit larger than you would think for opener, but typically with all these lakes that we're choosing, they have all really really dense and great weed growth, and with a little bit of sand and rocks mixed in mixed in there somewhere too. I don't know, Brian. You got a line for the lakes we're gonna jump through? Like how many um... lakes we're gonna hit? I, I I didn't see an official line. If I had to guess, I would say three different lakes Saturday. I don't know. I guess three a day on Saturday and Sunday, and then uh, maybe one or two on Monday. Kind of all depends on if we were killing them the first two days or if uh, we go to the secret lake uh, for a little morale boost on Monday. Yeah, that that's for if we're down bad. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean – so we do have a lot of lakes on the list, but I'll tell our listeners this is if, if we got a, if we get on a bite and we're catching and seeing fish on one lake, we're probably not going to go super far from that lake. I mean, if anything, 
we would maybe give it a break that day and go to a similar lake for the rest of the day and then come back the following day again, if that makes any sense. But I mean, realistically, I think we're talking about a lot of lakes is is because most of these lakes we already know. And what we're going to do is for sure, obviously fish them effectively and slowly because it's spring and the water's cold, but we're going to go hammer two to three spots that we really like early season on these lakes and then bounce if we're not seeing what we like. And I think that's why we have so many lakes in mind. Yeah, no, I, I like the lineup of lakes that we've discussed. I mean, you know, I, I think last year, you know, as, as we did say, we caught a lot of fish, but we did have, you know, pretty long droughts during some of those days where we, you know, probably weren't doing the same, probably weren't doing the right thing. So you know, what do you, what do you think was our biggest takeaway or like biggest thing we learned from last year to take into this year's opener? I mean, I definitely agree with those long droughts of no fish, but I think that kind of just goes without saying with colder water. I mean, we see it in the fall type, type bite windows. And I think just one of those things, and I mean, maybe this will be what kills us for changing lakes, but some of those spots that we hit, we might, we might end up fishing them on just like super off times and we'd leave cause we don't see anything. And then all of a sudden it just lights up. Even if we just do the identical drift boats on the same track and everything tossing the same lures, then all of a sudden like, boom, those fish light up. Yeah. I, I guess I think the biggest thing that I was thinking of is, you know, we did really well last year on Sunday and Monday, but Saturday we did struggle. And I think the biggest thing, you know, was, is we, probably fished a lake that was a little too big and probably didn't, you know, concentrate our time enough on some of those, you know, back bays and warmer areas. You know, we fished a lot of, you know, we kind of fished the entire lake. And so, you know, maybe like you were saying, if with tight bite windows, like really stick on those spots that either look good or we're moving fish. And, you know, I think we got a great game plan. So I'm, I'm excited for Saturday morning. Can't wait to get up there. It's, uh, it's going to be a long week. So, Gus, for any of the viewers out there who might be making the the truck up north to get in on the opener action, uh, I guess in a quick quick sentence, what would you warn against them doing it? I mean, I'm I'm guessing you'd say maybe take it easy on the big, clear, deep lakes right now, and maybe target some of the more shallow, sand-colored waters as those are going to be hotter. But uh, what would you tell them? I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of just. What I'd like to say, I'll try and sum up, sum it up in a quick sentence, but I think I'd really shy away from those deep clear lakes because I'm looking at the extended forecast and the whole weekend is going to be very sunny. And with those temps rising in the shallows on the stained lakes, that's just going to be your go-to on bites. Day in and day out, those stained lakes are going to heat up faster and just always get the better weed growth and keep the box versatile, but don't change baits too much. But definitely Ooh. get in your pull pause baits as opposed to just throwing the just throwing a bucktail the entire time because those ones seem to produce when the bite windows are very very tough. But keeping the bucktails into play as well during like the very peak peak moon windows is key. So that wasn't really a sentence, but definitely something to take away is don't exactly. Go to those super, super big lakes because we've made that mistake before and it and it can hurt us and hurt the morale. Yeah, it's definitely seemed like when we go there super early in the year on opener, uh, fish are just scattered all over those lakes and some years they're still spawning. So, all right. Well, with that, should we get into some of our Q&A questions this week? 
Yeah, let's get to it. We got some from Facebook. We got some from Instagram. And I got I know I also got a direct message and and we'll just start right there. We got a direct message from Pete V. He asks, how deep is too deep for throwing a topwater? And how much chop waves and wind is too much? Who wants to answer this one? Uh, I'll take it, and then you can kind of refine what I'm what I'm saying. But uh, Pete, because it's gonna be nonsense. Pete, I want you to know there's uh, no no depth that uh, that is too deep for a top water, and uh, no amount or height of waves that is uh, too much for a top water. Uh, it's my go-to year-round in all conditions, and uh, I'm sure Gus might pick that apart a little bit more. But no, I actually really like that answer, and that's. <laughs> I honestly didn't even know you're going to say that. I was going to, the only thing I was going to tweak is just be like, if it's the right time for top water and those fish are feeding high, I don't think it's going to matter what depth you're in. I mean, I know I've heard of some of the older legends talk about catching open water fish on top water. That is something neither of us three have been a part of, but we have caught fish in open water with high riding baits subsurface. So I, can't imagine that's too far-fetched but those stories are a little crazy to me but i i definitely think pete there's really no too deep for throwing a top water but i would say with top water just like certain times a year it just shines way better i mean sunset sunrise amazing august amazing but with the chop i think sometimes the chop i mean this could be in a whole nother discussion on uh, like the sounds from the top water but with the wind and, and waves i think that's a good thing for throwing certain top waters because sometimes i feel like they can be too loud and if those fish are not aggressive at all they might not come and look at it but if you got a little chop on the water and you're throwing a, a prop prop style top water i think that's a good thing to have a little chop so that it's almost what, what is it what do they call it bouncing in its own wake pretty much oh yeah yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I love topwater, but I never really like throwing it if it's, you know, white capping or big waves. But um, if it's like a ripple over the water, I guess maybe like a 10 mile an hour wind, it's it's still fine. I got a quick story, I guess, if you guys don't mind me sharing, that happened to me last year with actually without Gus in the boat. It was just um, our dad and I, we were out fishing. Uh, and it was during what looked like to be like a light rainstorm that turned into like a torrential downpour. And we were out on the chain. We were, you know, not, not near our cabin, but we were by the spot we really wanted to fish. And like, I mean, I'm talking rain so hard that like you couldn't even talk in the boat because you couldn't even hear the person next to you. Uh, wind was howling. It was totally that pre-storm kind of like front moving in. And we were fishing over like a big extended weed bar. And I remember I put on a top water and our dad was just like, what are you doing? Like, how the heck is a fish even going to hear or see that? Cause I mean, the waves were ripping pretty good. You know, it was very, it was, it was windy. It had been really calm, but the wind started picking up pretty aggressively. The rain, like I said, was just crazy. And it was like my third cast and a fish just completely blew up on it. We ended up sticking it. Um, and I think that kind of gave me a lot of confidence moving forward that, you know, I've heard people say that like in a good shop, you know, the right prop, you know, prop bait type style top water can work really well. This one was uh, that kind of, you know, louder prop style type top water. 
Um, but it gave me a lot of confidence moving forward that if there is some chop and some wind and some noise, even rain, uh, that it can still get the job done. So I just figured I'd share that little story. So if you ever, if you're ever on the water and you have those types of conditions, um, you know, don't be afraid to throw on that type of top water bait and see if it works out for you too. I think that sounds good. I hope, I hope we answered your question well, Pete. And I think with that, it's just gaining that confidence throwing top water in situations that you may not think to throw that in there. And I really like that story, Max. That definitely, that definitely helps. So with that, let's move on to our Instagram questions and let me pull those up. So we already got ours from Grape Wake talking about the first bait out of the box. Now we got another one from T Brew 77. He asks, Will Manti catch a fish this weekend? Odds set at plus 1,100. And I think he's referring to you, Max. Uh, yeah, he is referring to me. Um, he's an idiot. He's also my roommate. And I think that question comes from the fact that a lot of times when I come home from a weekend of North fishing, uh, you know, he's like, oh, how'd you guys do? Oh, yeah, we did great. And I started showing him pictures, and it's like Gus holding a 42-incher, Gus holding a 41-incher, my dad holding a 37-incher. He's like, oh, yeah, looks like you guys killed it. Where's your fish? <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's not always part of it. It's, you know, the boat catches one. We all catch one, right? <laughs> um, so he gives me a hard time a lot of times. And then even when I do catch a, catch one, he's like, Oh, that's really nice of Gus to let you hold uh let you hold his fish for the picture. It's like, oh yeah, that's great. So yeah, that's probably where that question stems from. Um, you know, that was more so the case a few years back. You know, we've been we've been picking up some numbers here the last few years. We've been getting on the program, but no, really appreciate that question, TJ. That's that's really kind of you. That's too funny. And I think to actually answer that question. I'm going to go with confidence and say yes, that Manti gets it done and gets the fish this weekend for sure. One of the two Mantis will, so I'll hammer that line. All right, the next question comes from Sad Boy Musky Club. Oh, and this is this is a question that I probably should have answered when we were kind of talking about the scouting, but he's asking, what's the water temperature? I think this is something that some people are, have been concerned with because of the I don't even know how much you'd call it late ice out. It was probably only a few days out. I mean, it was out plenty plenty open until walleye opener. But the water temperature that I found, and I've been on clear, deep, big lakes. I've been on small lakes the past week. And no matter what lake I've been to, shallows are at least 60 degrees. And most of them spike to 62. And a few of those really stained ones I've seen up to 64, 65 and I'd bet even more from today. Um, it's It was a big heat today. And some of the main bodies, like the main basin temperatures, still are kind of riding in that 57 to 59. But, I mean, that's just as of today, and it's Tuesday, and we still got opener until Saturday, and we got lots of, lots of sun coming up and a good amount of heat. So I suspect that water temperature to be at least mid-60s Let's for opener. Go. And that's calling for hopefully some pretty aggressive fish. So I'm mm. I'm pumped, Sad Boy, and I hope you are too. Dude, shout out Sad Boy. He's been a staple with the Q and A's. I've never met him personally. He's a great follow on Instagram. 
sad boy musky club maybe i think it is right guys and uh hopefully our hopefully our paths cross the summer sad boy it'd be great to uh share a beer together yeah we definitely need to get sad boy over for sure so let's move on to our next question and this comes from spencer eden he asks what are some water temps you look for and how do you how do those dictate how you fish Okay, so we just got a little bit of the lowdown on water temperatures right now and probably what to expect. I'm looking, I mean, I look back a little bit on our notes from last May, an opener in that late May time period. I don't I don't want to say water temps because I can't think exactly, but I know once it got into that low 60s, that's when we hammered them on crankbaits. And then I think when it got to more of that mid-60s and that like second week, of june last year i believe it was that's when we started to get a few more on on blades usually when that water temp is rising more and more and and the fish are getting a little more active that's when blades come into play but but i think at least with those 60 degree shallow temps we're for sure going to be that's dictating of an awesome pull pause probably dive and rise and, and crankbait bite not to be like the story guy here, but I, I do want to touch on this. And I think it's kind of relevant to this question. I, I was hoping to share this on this pod, but you guys remember um, it, it was, it was opener last year and we were fishing a lake. We were in like the North Bay area, warmest temperature, warmest water on the lake. We went through the spot, I think a handful of times, didn't move or see any, you didn't see any fish and didn't hook anything obviously. And we actually moved out to a mid lake, uh, bar mid lake point some some of the kind of structure out there and we we got a fish out there and so i think i guess the the point of the story is that you know i think a lot of people the common theme is find the warmest water on opener um, but i would say you know at least if you are finding the warmest water on opener you're not getting anything to move maybe in that that pocket of weeds or that north bay um, and there's kind of a, a you know mid lake structure that's out from that weed, that weed, weedy bay, just go give it a look. Uh, you know, it, it helped us out last year. I mean, we caught that fish in an area that I would not consider a staple for early season musky fishing. So yeah, I guess just kind of a, a thought provoking idea. Um, if, if the shallow weedy bay is not working on that body of water that you're fishing. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, and some of these small lakes that we fished during opener, you can get through those small weedy North bays pretty quickly. And if you get through there pretty quickly and you don't see a fish, but, and you're going to stay in that body of water, instead of just rotating around and just hammering that home, definitely look for those secondary spots. Like Max said, mid lake bar, you don't always talk about that or, or read about that much on opener. But I mean, if it's a good, good structure is good structure and there's fish going to be there. So if you're kind of waiting to buy some time to go back to that North Bay, I'm not saying like don't fish those North Bays because that's what I would go fish usually in general in the first spot and then bounce back somewhere else. But I'm saying to kind of use that as a time in between to uh, to just scout because, I mean, if you didn't see anything in the North Bay at that time and then you go fish another super choked out Weedy Bay and don't see anything and so on and so on, you're like, huh, where where are they? And you don't check those secondary spots from opener, like a extended weed point you don't always think about or or the mid-lake bars or even just switching up the type of cover you're going after and switching to rocks or bull rush 
or gravel or something like that. That's definitely uh, that's definitely something to look for. So this next one comes from Chris Curran, and he asks, what are some good early season strategies for finding some monsters? Oof, monsters can be tough on opener. I do have yeah, to usually, admit. Usually those two words don't go together, but uh... – <laughs> not always um but i know that one we were just talking about when we made the switch to that mid lake bar that is what i'd consider a much larger class fish than you'd think of rather than a dinky 32 inch male so i think my little quick thing was pretty much the answer to that last question when I, what i just talked about at the end there is looking for those secondary spots i mean if you're only spotting tiny little fish and and maybe catching a few here and there is just step off a little bit. Not saying go to the middle of the lake, but just find those structures like really close, like a bar that's really close to the bay, a point that's really close to the weedy bay. Cause because pretty much just like, I mean, to my knowledge, on all fish that spawn, especially predators, those males hang around first, just like you know, walleyes too, and they hang around long afterwards, whereas the females hang out and chill and just kind of set up differently and then they go and do their thing and then they pop right back out. So usually sometimes finding that really big female, super, super shallow or like in the nastiest, nastiest weeds isn't always the case. We've seen and caught some much larger fish. Like I said, I'm not saying go to the middle of the lake, but it's like taking a step off. Like, I don't know, especially in like a weed, a big, large weed bay. It's not, hucking the first two cast lengths of the shore it's maybe just the one extra one i mean i know there's a few weed beds and and north bays that i'm thinking of that you guys might be thinking of too where we've done well where it's just that extra little bit off of where we're seeing the bigger fish all right we got another question in from micah s and he asked do muskies spawn on shallow rocks and lakes or primarily bays with new weed growth all right, Micah, I'm not a, the biggest fish biologist by any means, but to my knowledge, I believe that muskies are a little bit more in that mucky and weedier type bays, whether that have a little bit of bulrush. I mean, I know usually bulrush brings in some gravel with it too, but typically those fish are going to be in the leeward of most winds. Uh, it's getting the most sunlight and chilling in kind of like the mucky and and choked out weeds as opposed to walleyes that look for wind and rocks and and gravel shorelines and such such like that which is probably well not probably but kind of why everyone talks about north base as being their primary spot for opener so um i hope i hope that answers that and our last question comes from parker knapp he asks, well, this one we can discuss on the weekend. I don't know if it's going to happen, but thoughts on night fishing during the early season time frame. Ooh. Anybody want to roll into that? That's not something we really dabbled in. And and I think it I think it's going to happen come, come June, but what about opener weekend? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, we haven't done it. I don't even think it's crossed our mind. It's never been on our plan of attack, but um we have talked about it a lot this winter that's something we need to try and do more especially later in the summer but um 
I mean, I'm all for it, especially if we had success throughout the day and we're catching fish. I wouldn't mind spending a few more hours in the dark and uh, busting out some of the favorite topwaters and, um, you know, some of those same pole pause baits and seeing what happens. I think it's a good experiment. Max, what about you? You in favor? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a little bit, a little bit cooler at night. Um, I think we are going to get some pretty warm temps this weekend, which is going to be great. So, I mean, I'm, you know, if the weather, the weather is, is, uh, decent. Um, I wouldn't mind sticking out there in the dark a little bit. Like Gus said, it's not really something we've done in the past. I honestly think more than anything, like not even from just a catching fish point of view, it's just like a, a human point of view is just the stamina aspect. I mean, we're going to be pretty, pretty geeked up to fish on Saturday morning. I'm sure we're going to be out there really early, which, you know, that's a little bit of a, I think the debatable topic, if, you know, early in the season, you typically hear the kind of bite windows, you know, is when it's the warmest part of the day and the sun's kind of reached its, its peak. But I've also heard people doing really well, you know, opener morning, like first thing. So I'm sure we'll be out there really early Saturday. I'm sure we'll be out there early Sunday and Monday as well. So just like logistically, you know, thinking about getting out on the water at, six six thirty saturday morning and you know fishing yeah. on and off throughout the day and then i guess yeah we'll see how it goes i mean I, honestly brian i might be opposite of you like if we're catching a bunch of fish during the day you know i probably would be more apt to just call it a day when the sun you know goes below the trees and go home and get some food but you know if we're moving a bunch of fish like during that later window um and we're not they're not actually getting hooks or biting I'd probably be more apt to stay out then to see if, if a, a light change kind of triggers them to actually eat. Um, but yeah, I think just logistically this weekend, I mean, we're going to be hitting the water pretty hard. Like we've said, a bunch of lake changes. I mean, it's going to be tough, uh, you know, in theory. Yeah. It sounds great. Just keep fishing, but musky fishing, especially that first weekend takes a toll on you. Yeah. Um, that's what I was just going to say where our bodies <laughs> yeah. are used to a uh, 12 plus hour day. So Maybe I'm thinking a little too positive on the night fishing front, but uh, I don't know. Nothing a few Red Bulls at 6 p.m. can't can't help us with. I think Max had a good point there, talking about if he if we're moving fish and not catching, that maybe that light change is something to look to, and and I think that might be key, and that might be something we should definitely discuss because looking at the weather, we got a lot of heat and I think a good amount of sun. And sometimes I know throughout the year that sometimes calls for lethargic muskies sometimes in the middle of the day, that's more so midsummer. So we're going to see, I think an opener, it might be really, really good for that afternoon time to sunset. And then once it's lights out, it just might be done. Like you almost like Max saying, hang your hat on a good night. Like if all the fish in the lake were biting from six to sundown, I don't think you want to stay out after dark. I mean, most of those fish, probably just eight during that feeding window but if you're moving fish or maybe not even finding many fish it might be from that heavy sun and heat making the fish a little more lethargic and i think that's something more so we're going to look for in the midsummer time but i think if that happens night fishing might come into play this weekend yeah i'd say if it's going to be like i'm not even sure what it is i could be totally wrong but if it's going to be like a low of 65 saturday night or sunday night and it's going to be super humid i mean i don't know i think you have decent chances of finding some fish in that kind of weather at 
What are you seeing on the on the lows this weekend? Right, might as well just read it quick for Eagle River. We got Saturday morning clocking in at 44. I'll be in with bed. With a high of 78. And then we have oh, Sunday God. with a low of 47 and a high of 80. Monday wow. with a low of 52 and a high of 83. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I think it's going to be like that 11 a.m. to noon bite once that sun really starts piercing the water. It's calling for a south-southwest wind all weekend. Pretty nice. sustained throughout each day of at least 8, 10, 12, which on the water means 25 it's miles an hour. up, man. That sound, sounds really good for all there. I'm digging it. That's a That's a nice little warming trend right there. And it's kind of sustained. I mean, I don't know when it's going to – I mean, the weather's unpredictable up here. I don't know when that that's going to take a – you know, just completely take a shit as it always does. I mean, whenever there's prolonged heat like that, you already know that it's just going to – we're going to get a morning in the 30s and then a high of yeah. 59 or something the next day. Yeah, war- warning to everybody who's looking at their, their forecast right now for the weekend. It's probably going to end up being like 32 in the morning and 55 during the day. So don't get your hopes up just yet. seems like the weatherman's never right up in Vilas County. No doubt. Well, so when are you getting up, Brian? What's what's the game plan? Uh, I believe Jack and I will be hoofing it up together Friday after work, whenever that might be. Um, I guess no real rush because we can't, can't fish Friday anyway. But get up there in time to figure out these tournament rules and – Talk our shit to the other team for a bit. And are we going to be making any sort of a video this weekend, or what's the plan there, Gus and Brian, I guess I should ask too? Yeah, I think we're going to have cameras rolling the whole weekend. We'll do a little B-roll. Um, I think we can make a little video out of it, you know, give the listeners and all the followers of Suggs Fishing and all that just a little something to offer, kind of visually see what we're doing, what we're catching, just kind of – seeing what's going on in the boat and all that good stuff so and um i know max you're gonna give me shit but i'm still the world's slowest editor and i think hopefully at some point if i can get some time to do it is get those pmtt videos out i know one of them you can you can view on the pmtt facebook and youtube um both fish are edited I have a little bit of B-roll to add, and I think I can make just a decent little video out of it. But for the opener weekend, that might be a little better one to kind of go forward with because there's going to be four of us in the PMTT one. I was solo, so that was that was tough. I don't have the uh, I don't have the camera skills of Mike Keys fishing solo, so that's probably going to make it Keys. tough for, for editing. So, boys, I think that wraps up our uh, discussion tonight on opener. I think we had a good one. We had awesome questions from our listeners again. Thank you guys so much. Um, If we're looking for more questions, just make sure to check out Instagram and Facebook. I'll post those if we're needing some. But I think from here on out, we're going to have some pretty good discussions, finally, of some true weekly reports on what's going on in Vilas Oneida County in Wisconsin and I hope you guys really enjoy what's what's going to be offered here on Muskies on Tap. And before we go, I'll quick give my socials again. If you want to reach me to book a trip or just check out what's going on, look at some fish pictures, videos, all that good stuff. 
You can reach me on Instagram at Suggs Fishing, Facebook, Suggs Fishing Guide Service, or you can add me as a friend at Gus Manti. You can also reach my cell phone, give me a text, call, voicemail, whatever you want at 920-264-3816. And be sure to check out my website, www.sugsfishing.com. See Thank you everybody for watching this week's episode. Good luck this week at Killing the Muskie. And as always, send in those picks to Gus if you guys land any giants this weekend. Gus, cue up fortunate son here on our way out. You do know no one can see us, right? Good night. See you, everyone. Peace.